1: Hello, this is Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. Today we have as our special guest David Bernstein, MD, a highly respected award winning physician who is board certified in both internal medicine and geriatrics and practicing in Clearwater, Florida. His 40 years of experience have provided him with opportunities to observe and empathize with thousands of adults as they age. His 40 years of experience as a physician has provided him with opportunities to observe and empathize with thousands as they age. His insight and ability to monitor patient patterns and outcomes compelled him to share what he has learned with others. And I'm Mary Elkins. To exercise his brain,
0: Dr. Bernstein writes about his experiences. Scientific research has shown that developing new skills, such as writing and publishing, leads to neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, meaning growing more brain cells and, let me see what I wrote down, rewiring your brain. Uh, Dr. Bernstein's publications include I've Got Some Good News and Some Bad News, You're Old, Tales of a Geriatrician, What to Expect in Your 60s, 70s, and 80s and Beyond, Senior Driving Dilemmas, Life-Saving Strategies, The Power of Five, The Ultimate Formula for Longevity and Remaining Youthful, and The Power of Five, A Journal for Health, Longevity, and Wellness. He's also a public speaker enlightening people on the complexities of aging. Welcome, David.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate being with you ladies today.
1: Wonderful to have you. Tell us what a geriatrician does, and what is it that a geriatrician knows that makes him an expert in longevity and remaining youthful?
2: Well, thanks for asking. I love being a geriatrician. And when I was growing up, several things happened. One was that I saw my mother uh, become very frustrated with the medical care her parents got. Um, and she made me promise that one day when I become a doctor, I would do a better job. And I committed to <laughs> that. How old were you? 20, um, somewhere between 14 and 17, because by then I was going off to college. So um, at around that time when I was applying for college, um, a National Geographic magazine appeared in my hand. Um, we didn't subscribe to it. So I don't know how it got there, but I've been able to research and I found the cover. I read the article again and there was a centenarian on the cover. And I said, I want to know about centenarians, people who live to be a hundred. So I combined that and a few other experiences in my life and decided that when I went to medical school, I would train to take care of older adults, which is what a geriatrician does. A medical doctor who takes care of older adults. (laughs) And It was a wonderful, it's a wonderful career.
0: Well, please tell us, please tell us who in our audience should be paying attention to what you have to say today.
2: Everybody. (laughs) The the fact is, everybody is getting one day older every day. So um, who better to speak to an audience of aging adults, even if you're 20, 30, and 40, than someone who's had experience with patients 70, 80, 90, and 100. And um, I'm proud to say that when my patients turned 100, um, I was a little sneaky, but I gave them an appointment on their birthday. And, oh. I, and I would order whatever choice sandwich they wanted or whatever lunch they had, they wanted, and we'd have lunch together. And I would wow. pick their brains to find out what were their secrets. And um, it was one of the most enjoyable experiences a person could have.
0: Well, did you ha- were there a lot of them?
2: It was a dozen or two it was it was more than five and probably less than 20 but uh, it was enough to give me a flavor and I never got tired of doing it like you kind of can get tired of doing certain things but you know when when someone turned 99 and they were 99 and a half and I and I saw their birthday was coming up I I jogged their appointments so that we'd be together on their birthday
1: wonderful great. that's a nice thing yeah and what have you learned from taking care of adults as they age well i used to um
2: and still do speak to audiences and i would ask them to tell me what their secrets were and um time would pass and and um, they would answer questions and i distilled it down to five items i, I like the number five because i think people can remember five things even one of my doctor colleagues, instructors told me never to leave more than five recommendations um, in a consultation for another doctor because they couldn't handle more than five. Wow. So everything I've done is limited to five. There are five family members, five players on a basketball team, my favorite sport at the time, and, and uh, five senses. So five was a good number. Um, after distilling it all down, the five things spell the letter grace, uh, the word grace. G-R-A-C-E, and Ah. G stands for goals, R stands for roots, A stands for attitude and adventure, uh, C stands for companionship, and E stands for environment.
0: Ah, I like that. Each
2: one of those meant something to me, and they all meant something to my patients, because that's what they told me. Hmm.
0: That's great. Well tell us about the leading causes of illness and disability that you've observed and what if anything do they have in common
2: well um, if, if I may I'd go back to my grace thing for just a minute
0: yeah and please just go into a
2: little bit more detail because okay. G of G for goal G stands for goals but as people have a, a goal or a purpose in life something to get up for in the morning right Every one of the things that I talked to you about has been shown in scientific studies one way or another that uh, holds up as leading to this more favorable health and longevity. So having that purpose and and having a job or having a volunteer activity. Uh, I remember one of my patients who uh, retired and moved from New York to Florida, and he took a job as a security guard at a historic hotel, Landmark Hotel in Clearwater, Florida. And between the drive and getting away from his wife for a few hours, <laughs> or, um, the camaraderie he had and the sense of purpose he had and driving a beautiful road, which he had to drive, was all something that uh, lended him to live a really happy, long life. Mm. The second one uh, we don't have as much control over is our roots or our DNA. And the DNA Affects us uh, uh, about twenty to twenty-five percent of our longevity and our health. Oh, so the other seventy-five? 75- no, that's all right. Uh, so, so it's um, it, it, it's up to us to either <laughs> recognize we have good DNA and good genes, and we're going to protect them. We're going to eat right and exercise and do all the right things, or we have bad DNA, and we're really going to do something about it because we know based on family history of of it, breast cancer, colon cancer, diabetes, heart disease, that we're going to take action early on in our lives. And, and again, that's why people in your audience should listen to a geriatrician because I've seen people from that young age all the way up. So protecting your roots is important. It also has something to do with your your family and your heritage and knowing your family (coughs) tree is another way of looking at groups.
0: Yeah. I mean, how do you, uh, I'd love to go into that a little bit more. How do you defy your DNA as far as these diseases? Are there pills you take exercise? Uh, What would you recommend?
2: I'm going to have some recommendations in a little bit, but there is some research going on, but there are no pills just yet. Um, There are people who are working on the cellular level and the mitochondria in your in your cells uh, of maybe some um, current medications. that's a medication like metformin for diabetes uh, that can be used for that or some other subs, uh, uh, supplements that might be helpful in that process. Yeah. So, so there will be some things, but for the moment, it's exercise, diet, sleep, uh, um, socialization, and uh, um Avoiding stress. And, and, <laughs>
0: and How do you that do again. that in the big city or when you're out there working? That's a hard one to do.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, it is. And probably um, <laughs> the hardest one. But but there are some things. I'll, I'll get a chance to talk about them a little later. Okay. Uh, so we got through <laughs> golden roots and attitude. I, I have found and I've learned that people who have a positive attitude, but particularly people who have gratitude uh, and kindness, Mm-hmm. Uh, have much happier lives, um, and and um, have a much better outlook on things. I, also I just got goosebumps
0: when you said that. <laughs>
2: oh, because of your kindness and your gratitude. I hope,
0: <laughs> without <Yeah>. a doubt. <laughs>
2: I, I also I also like to use that a and and uh, for adventure for people who are adventurous. And I have a cute little story to tell you about one of my patients who turned a hundred. Um, and and during our visit, during, when she turned a hundred, I started asking her a bunch of questions, and and um, she looked at me and she said, "Is this a quiz?" <laughs> um, I marvel that you know the difference between her age and my age. You know, I, I think about mayonnaise, like she was opening up this mayonnaise in this mylar plastic thing. And when she was born, mayonnaise was made that day in a, in a little jar with eggs. And, you know, they had to start right then and there. And here she is 100 years after she's born. And she's doing this newfangled way of opening mayonnaise. <laughs> but uh, before she turned 100, uh, and she had these big, she had beautiful blue eyes. And she would stare at me and Google like at me like I was Rock Hudson. Um, um, and she was never married, if I remember And, and I said to her, um, what was the most exciting thing you did in your life? And she looked at me and she said, nothing. And my heart sank a little bit. And I said, come on, tell me, there must have been something. Oh. And I had a moment of clairvoyance. And I said, you went skinny dipping, didn't you? Huh. <laughs> and she said, how did you guess? It was just something that came into my head. And um, she told me a story that it was in the nineteen fifties at the Hotel Nacional in Cuba, Havana. And it was a co ed thing. And there were so there were men and women. And I said, Well, how did it end? And she said, Well, after a couple of hours, the security guards came in and, and made us go away. But um, <laughs> you know, sure. stories like that were really great, but I but I thought about what it was like for this woman who led a pretty mundane life that she had that adventure in her, at least at once. One time. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Goldrude's attitude, companionship, which is a, which is a big theme for me in lots of things I talk about, but having a companion um, has been shown to long, lengthen our lives and, and people who have longstanding relationships or, or are married are known to live longer. And so, you know, it's making that companionship work and it doesn't have to necessarily be with a spouse, but other loved ones and families and, and, and other connections. And
1: yeah.
2: um, that's another important one. And E stands for environment. It's outside living in a peaceful environment, unlike the stressful one that you mentioned, but a peaceful environment and, and getting out and being with nature, because I know that that's healthy for us or what we put in our bodies and how we take care of the internal environment of ourselves. And that's a, a big component of my power of five. But, I love that. Um, that's that's, and, and people can remember the word grace and they just go, what did that G stand for? I mean, but, but it's, it's something number, number one, it's something to live for. And number two, it's something that helps us organize our lives. Am I getting enough goal? Am I, do I have a purpose in my life? Uh, um, am I fitting all these things in? Because Truly, those were things I saw in my in my patients who aged the best, uh, and it's also a formula for resilience. And, mm. and I had seen a, a study um, um, that demonstrated attributes of these people who live longer, and they studied them and measured them. and I went, "Oh, that's my Grace formula right there." And they they found this in a in a, in a urban area study among people who had better longevity and, um, and resilience.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. Well, uh, now, would you elaborate on the opposite as far as what are the leading causes of illness and disability that you've observed? And if the, is there anything they have in common?
2: Exactly. It's a great point because um, when I was young in medical school, I knew what killed people between 18 and 35. It's the same thing now as it was back then. But then, what are the things that are hazardous and the illnesses that you would see most between fifty-five and beyond? And those would be um, heart disease, cancer, and neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease and other dementias and um, Parkinson's disease. Those are things that people worry about, and and particularly speaking to your audience and a population of baby boomers those are things that should worry people and those are things that um, i paid the most attention to so as i did my research i looked for something that i could uh, attack and, and generate interest and and what held them all together and there was one thing this concept of inflammation oh. so people who have this chronic inflammation in their body and, and you read about, people have an opportunity to read about this all the time. They'll read about an anti-inflammatory diet, or they'll be told to go to their doctor and ask about an inflammation test, or somebody will talk to them about one thing or another in terms of, of the diseases that occur. But heart attacks, for example, occur when there's an inflammatory process going on in a blood vessel it immediately ruptures, and there's a sudden blockage. It's huh. not this slow. It, it is a slow, steady process. But the the abrupt onset of a heart attack is this acute plug, an acute clot in a blood vessel. So that's an inflammatory condition. Oh. Uh, Cancer seems to be inflammatory, and there's a lot of debate now about um, causes of dementia, and it's a really long list. And I learned this one thing in medical school that always stuck with me that. Whenever there was a long list of causes of an illness, it's because people don't really know. Now, mm-hmm. it's true that scientists studying Alzheimer's disease have been really focused on plaques, tangles, amyloid uh, deposition in brains. Yeah. But um, there's still lots of things that would contribute to that. Uh, they There is diabetes as a contr- contributor, cholesterol as a contributor, head trauma as a contributor, and and strokes is a contributor. And and, and the head trauma doesn't get much attention, but I've certainly seen my share of patients who are older and maybe susceptible to dementia and maybe have some mild form and they have a fall at home and they uh, spend a day or two in the hospital and they get confused and they come out and they're just not the same.
0: Football, boxing.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I'll sort of say, don't get me started there, but uh, right. I did have right. one of my, one of the most lovable patients I had is a retired football player. And, and I saw the consequence of, of his um, head trauma and I watch football games and, and I just know that that person's going to have a problem that going through and getting your head hit that hard um, exp- exposes people to risk, but there are other risks too. Um, falls that occur when, Silly people climb on the roof and fall off or over 65 Uh and falling off a ladder and um, that's just not being smart and that puts you at risk for shortening your life or creating disability so that you may live a long time, but live it disabled.
1: Right. I wanted to ask you also, and you covered a little bit of this, but what are the contributors to inflammation in our body and what can we do about them?
2: Well, I go back to my five items, five Five things. I made it easy. Uh, Five items, five things that contribute, and they all begin with the letter S. Okay. So, first is avoid sweets. That's sugar, (laughs) carbohydrates. Darn. These are things, these are, yeah, really, these are things that are known to contribute to inflammation in our body and diabetes. And, and, the food industry and manufacturers know how much sugar to put in a product to get people hooked and dependent or addicted to it. And I started in an early age and there were breakfast cereals with Captain Crunch on it and Fruit Loops and things that, and Pop-Tarts things that the three of us may have eaten if we were bad when we were growing up. Um, and and Butter it, fingers it, it, and that was a good one.
1: Well,
2: uh, And those are, what was that one?
1: Butterfingers. <laughs> I think that's funny because I still eat <laughs> chocolate it in chip Halloween. cookies.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. those
2: food scientists knew how much sugar to put in them, and they still do it. And yeah. I see it in my grandkids. It's like, how do you get your kids not to eat that? Uh, because it creates the same kind of addiction as uh, any other chemical addiction or um, phys- uh, uh, um, over exercising. Um, sexual addiction and and all all the addictions we have have something to do with dopamine in our brain. Mm -hmm. And it's a trigger of dopamine, which is a pleasure chemical and sugar triggers that. So avoiding that or controlling it, get the the most um, healthy carbohydrates you can include it with fiber, for example, like a strawberry or a peach, it may be sweet with natural sugar, but it's got an awful lot of fiber that will slow down the absorption of sugar. That's as opposed to the quick jolt of a a sugar beverage that you get at 7-Eleven. And and Mm -hmm. that's really a hazard. And um, you can't imagine what it's like sitting in an exam room with a patient and they say, I have three of those big gulps a day. Those 48-ounce bottles of uh, 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 containers that they get in the store of, of Dr. Pepper. And oh. I've heard that well. And, and um, that's an immediate alarm for me.
0: But drinks so, are terrible too, aren't they?
2: Uh, you are correct, Mary. Um, they are. And they should be avoided as well. We don't know enough about what they do in our brain. Um, and I certainly believe that they trigger the same some of the same reactions in our body that would make us feel like we're um, we've had something sweet, we secrete insulin, and then we're hungry again. Um, yeah, just like what, what would, what would the
1: second food. S be?
2: So the second S is avoid stress. So okay. that might be um, walking away from your job or asking for a job change or making that job, this uh, um, employment change in your life, and also incorporate um meditation and mindfulness and those are really big catchwords these days but it's true that we can make a difference and studies shown that i our generation for the most part wasn't raised on doing that but if but in younger generation if we can encourage and teach our children to do that and our grandchildren to do that we'll have a happier world and a more peaceful world Mm. but if any of the things i've talked about So far and talk about for the remainder of the program today, it's never too young. You're never too young to start and it's never too late. So Uh even though we've gone through our lives without meditating, it's certainly a a technique we can all learn and and have a favorable impact on ourselves. I know I didn't meditate, but nor did I find myself having enough time and a busy practice to do things like that. And regrettably didn't, but I incorporate it now. And, and I find it very rewarding.
1: I did too. And I didn't learn it till about five years ago.
2: So, so. yeah, like never too late. It makes a difference for you, Kathy. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. I can really tell if I missed the yeah. day. or. And, and I do
0: it in the morning, um, whether it's five minutes or 15 or 20, just, just to take a moment and just go in and be quiet and keep my thoughts away.
2: It, it's a great exercise and it, and we could all probably agree it's not easy after the lives we've led of busy things and checklists and to-do lists and all the things we have got to do and got to be working time and and you know those things that we all did in our lives and so right. it's, it is a really good way of resetting and brain brain waves change during that too uh, for the better so doing that so we covered the things we should avoid stress and sweets and so get more sweat well, that's exercise, oh, and no. they're like that, huh? Yeah.
1: Um,
2: so, so, there's, uh, there's, um, and my wife exercises, but she never sweats, so she tells me. <laughs> so, uh, the, the government recommendations are thirty minutes five days a week, so that's one hundred and fifty minutes. I think that's on the on the low end of things, but and the maximum is about four hundred and fifty minutes, above which you don't get much further benefit. But as we age and we start losing um, muscle mass, which occurs starting at age 40, we lose about 10% every decade, or that would be 1% per year. Um, We could age and lose our muscle mass if we don't eat right and we don't exercise, and that puts us at risk for falls. So um, having and maintaining muscle mass. So it may be that you do 30 minutes of walking and 15 to 30 minutes every day or three days a week of strength training. And then there's flexibility work that you can do, yoga, tai chi. Uh, tai chi, by the way, is something that's really neat and fun, um, maybe a bit time-consuming, but it's a really good uh, activity to do. And and I've incorporated all of these at one time or another in my life. I did Pilates. I still do spinning, and I have a Peloton at home for five to seven days a week. So um, those are all things that that have been shown to be very effective for people. Um yeah. And another point I'll make about my five S's is they all take intention. Need to know that there's a schedule. I'm going to do these things that nothing is going to get in my way, that incorporating each one of these is essential for my longevity and, and avoiding that inflammatory process and avoiding long-term disability. So, so those are things, you know, you, you set your intention and put it, Put it kind of in your mind, but put it in your mirror in your bathroom so you can look at it every day. Am I getting my five S's in there? <laughs> so we talked about sweets and stress and and sweat. The fourth one is sleep. Oh, mm. And people with sleep disorders um, is now recognized as a really significant problem. And, and I started recognizing it, some in myself, but in my patients, um, who were very resistant to being evaluated and being treated. And um, there was a limited number of sleep physicians in my local area. And um, I love taking care of my patients from the minute they walked in to the minute they walked out and, and, and getting as much, giving them as much value. So I learned a lot about taking, evaluating and taking care of patients with sleep disorders and asking the right questions. Um, There's a generation that relied on sleeping pills, um, and those people were incredibly resistant to any kind of change. And um, I had to recognize that I wasn't going to change them. But there were other people with sleep apnea, um, which can be a challenge to treat. But when I knew my patients pretty well or when a new patient would come in, and I, I just scan really quickly and look at their chart and look at their neck size, look at their waistline, look at their weight look at what medicines are on, and then they'd say, I'm tired all the time. I'd say, well, hmm." I'd make it seem like I was working really hard. But by the time my chair wasn't even warm yet, by the time I knew they had sleep apnea on on top of their other conditions. And there was a lot of resistance to treatment. If you know anybody who has sleep apnea, you know that they're treated and they do really well and they feel very different and much better. Or they're very resistant, and they say, "I'm not wearing that mask. I don't know what it would be like to sleep in bed with my spouse." And you know, he won't want to. And you know, I—they didn't really ever say that, but that was my
1: envisionment in terms of what was going through their minds. Would I'd be surprised if they they didn't actually say that? Of course, they feel that way, you know. Yeah,
2: I made you know, I kind of made them say it. It's like you think you're not desirable, you know. (laughs) After you have your intimate moment, you put the mask on. It's like, <laughs> what's the big deal? You'll feel so much better. Oh no, I wouldn't do that, Doc. I'll talk to you about it next time you come in in three months. So, you know, I whittle away at it. And yeah. so, my final pass, my favorite, and the favorite of baby boomers in my, our generation, is sex.
0: Mm-hmm. Avoiding sex. <laughs> <So, six? laughs> no,
2: now getting more, getting more sleep. Sweat, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my wife is not a prude, and and she knows that when I wrote this, this was on the cover, it. And she said, you know, it's really very good. Um, a younger generation um, is less sexually active than baby boomer generation, and and so they may shy away from that. And if I ever speak at um, a religious institution, I I may substitute a different word like socialization, but. It's about socialization, connections, intimacy, uh, because those things really make life and the world better for everybody. Um, having that connection, having a partner, having someone to either do activities with or be with or or just know that there's someone there to protect them and look out for their health and without being too much of a nag, but uh, that's important. And I've really been attracted to the concept that the opposite of intimacy is loneliness and loneliness is a health hazard. Mm-hmm. Loneliness is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being obese. And we know that those are serious health problems. And so it's prevalent in our society. And I started, I wrote about the the concept before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So people were talking about this before the pandemic, and certainly most anybody would agree it's gotten worse and and it it's gotten worse across the board.
0: Even uh, with I mean, young people.
2: Yeah, it, it really has. I've seen my um I have five and a half grandchildren. I'm gonna have another
1: granddaughter.
0: Oh, congratulations. Next month.
2: Thank you. Um, I've seen it with the isolation of some of them, particularly the one who's two and three, three years old now, who went, you know, from the time he was about a year and a half to three years where the pandemic, um, eliminated some of the activities that his older brother had before the pandemic. And in terms of socialization, it's been a little bit more difficult for him. And, and so, um, and then I hear about it in, in older age kids, and, in elementary school and, and beyond. And, and um, in in last year, I taught a colloquium at the medical school, and I had a first and second year medical student. And the first the second year medical student had a limited number of friends, uh, but had class the first year, but never went into class again. Um, all of her work was done at home. Some meetings would take place where you examined, Cadavers or uh, or um, or uh, uh, mechanical patients, and, and then the first year student did all her work at home and hmm. and didn't have colleagues, and didn't have sharing, didn't have study groups in person. So I thought I I think there's a significant problem associated with that. But well, like what I you, said, what if, do you advise you for that?
0: What do you advise for that? Because there's so many young people, but also people, older people who've lost their spouses and, and their children have moved away. What do you advise for that?
2: Like all the things i mentioned so far, it takes an intention. It takes a desire to meet people. And, you know, that may be easier when it's a desire to change your diet or change your sleep, the other things. But this is a whole different world. This is, <clears throat> I'm going to call up this guy I met at um, a poker game last week and I'm going to ask him to go to coffee, have coffee together. Women do this much better than men. So <clears throat> <clears throat> men are horrendous about it, but it's ma- taking your first step, um, risking um, rejection. But the positive is that you'll have a conversation and, and you'll have someone you can talk to, but then put yourself in situations where you can meet people uh, by joining a club or playing golf or playing tennis or pickleball. I, I think I heard somebody on, maybe you guys on a previous podcast talk about pickleball. Um, but pickleball's another, or, or an art class or a photography class or, or different kind of clubs or bird watching. You're going to be with people and you'll find someone that you can relate to and then build on that relationship. Mm -hmm. And and older adults who um, are not used to doing that can can go to senior clubs and and go to where there are presentations. It's getting out of the house and just meeting people and being open to doing it. And it's really difficult. Sometimes I would talk about that. It's like wearing your shoes on the wrong feet. (laughs) You know, it's just like really uncomfortable and really awkward. And I know. Uh, Mary, you, you know, you're an introvert and it's hard for you to be out there and do that, but, you know, just put yourself in that situation. And and by the way, that would that would be true for me. And so um, and it's very draining to go out and, and and try and put yourself out on those skinny branches where you can be rejected or or awkward about finding a date to meet up with somebody. Um, but it's really as important as the other items. And it's about taking care of your health.
1: So and you so, kind of touched on this right now, but I wanted to ask you what our audience can do right now to turn things around to remain more youthful, in addition to putting yourself out there to meet people, of course.
2: Oh, well, getting back to the, the five S's of the power of five, it's make the dietary adjustments. And when I realized some things weren't going right with my diet, uh, my wife and I became a, a vegans or we eat a plant-based diet. So make some changes. And if there are five S's, um, pick one, one that you could work on, work on your stress, work on your sleep. Um, There's some wonderful opportunities to learn about sleep. For example, I listened to a a 30 part podcast by Matt Walker um, uh, last month, and he had an enormous amount of material that even-
1: What does he call that podcast?
2: Uh, interestingly enough, it's called the Matt Walker podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, he's a professor at the university of uh, California, Berkeley. Um, oh, great. and, and he was, it was magnificent. And somebody can say, okay, I'll embrace that. I'll learn the, the facts and the things that I can incorporate about sleep hygiene, which is your bedroom, your bed. It's for sex and sleep. That's it. No reading, no eating, no smoking, your bedroom should be dark. You should cool it off at night. You should make sure your mattress is comfortable. Um, you should, a very key point about some of this is if you go to bed and you're not sleeping after about 20 or 30 minutes, get out of bed. Mm. And, really and, I heard that
1: recently. And I was amazed by that because I always thought I should stay in bed.
2: Well, you know what, um, one of the, I'm going to jump, get back to that in a minute, but one of the treatments that physicians are taught to recommend is something called uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. And and what, among the things that are taught in CBT are um, things I talked about, but it's, if your brain, if you're not sleeping in your bed well, your brain is going to say, I'm going to go in that flat thing and pull the cover up because that's a place I can't sleep. I have a bad time. And your brain has now learned that falling asleep is difficult and they're going to continue to make it difficult. So the idea is to get out of bed, go to another room, occupy yourself for a little bit of time. Um, It should not include uh, a screen where there's light, you know, like a, a phone um, try and read a magazine or a book that doesn't shine blue light in your eyes and we get out and throw off your, your brain chemicals. But just being out of bed, 15, 20 minutes, go back in bed, give it another try. Um, there's some other things about um, trying to get your seven or eight hours of sleep every night, but if you can't, um, find the time because you're not tired, delay your going to bed, but get up at the same time every day. Try and put yourself in in a, a standard seven day a week. I go to bed 11. I get up at seven. That's my eight hours of sleep. Good. I got it. Well, if it's not working, I'm still going to get up at seven, but I'm going to stay up till two in the morning. <laughs> oh, I'll be tired by then. I won't have that. This is the place where I can't sleep. I'll fall asleep. And then gradually you walk that back to 1.30, 1, 12.30 and
1: you'll get to it that's good o'clock. advice yeah. and do you have some other tips that you can share that you've observed in your oldest patients that may have contributed to their long and healthy lives
2: I go back to my I go back to some of the things that I talked about with grace um, because uh, people who had happiness and and goals and a purpose and 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 have positive attitudes they were my patients who astounded me at how long they live. I had um, a, a whole host of retired Salvation Army officers who exceeded what I would have expected their life expectancies to be. And, and I think it's because their work in a service to, to mankind um, that had a significant impact on their lives. Um, I have I'm a hundred two year old aunt who lives um, in Los Angeles. And I visit her every time I go. And some of her kids live in Los Angeles, so I'm there enough. And I sat down with her. I sit, sit down with her every time I'm there. We have coffee and, and, and a bagel or something like that. And she's always kind of forcing some extra food on me. And I said, Aunt Flo, what's the secret? And she said, by the way, I want to be in your next book. And I said, but what's the secret? And she she used a, um, a Hebrew or Yiddish word. And she said, Mazel. <laughs> and for your listeners who don't understand that word, it means luck. She said, I didn't do any of those things. And I said, Come on, Anne Flo, you did. I know you had a lot of friends and you had a big community of people because every time we came out for some kind of occasion, we would be in, they would be invited over. And I knew your friends X, Y, and Z, and they were really very nice. And I met them at your granddaughter's wedding and they were in their nineties and they all asked me medical questions, but they were invited to the wedding. They were your family. Um, <laughs> and you have a purpose. You have, um, uh, she has at, at age hundred people, well, ninety leading up to a hundred she would go to her pottery class and she played uh, cards with a group and she was in a book club. So she stimulated her mind. She worked on her neuroplasticity, you know, maintaining those connections that, that were really incredible. Um, I did have a patient who really did all my five S's. She, Mm. she exercised every day. She ate, she was slender. She
0: had And she was a hundred?
2: No, she didn't make it to a hundred. Um, She developed dementia. However, what I would say about her is she delayed it a long time with all that behavior. She was really quite. She had gotten to be 89 or 90 when um, she moved uh, away from the area because of her memory. But her (laughs) friends were looking out for her. And um, she she did really did exercise every day. She was about as fit as anybody can be. And um, she was a favorite of mine.
0: Well, what about baby boomers and millennials? What should they be paying attention to today, with what you've said?
2: I, I hate to be a broken record, but it's it's all the same. the the one The one thing I can I can tell the younger group is that if they can really apply themselves and do this really well, in the next ten years or so, there will be commercial products that will reverse a year or two off their lives and, and always reset that clock backwards. But they have to take care of themselves to get to that point where they can benefit from that. And, and the science mm. is moving rapidly enough. Um, it is an area that um, investors and venture capitalists are pouring lots of money into because it's really very popular. Um, and people are coming up with some really interesting ideas. But even when I hear them speak, They'll mention my five S's. They won't say Dr. Burnson's power five formula, but I hear it as a "No, He talked about exercise and he talked about eating. He talked about sleep. He talked about having friends. He talked about, um, of avoiding stress sex. And, Don't forget and, sex and, and, and yeah, sex really important. <laughs> and, and by the way, Kathy, since you mentioned it and we'll go back to sleep, sex has a favorable impact on sleep mm-hmm. and the reverse too. Sleep has a favorable impact on sex. So, if you sleep well, you'll be more emotionally attached and, and want to participate. And by participating, it will be like a sedative and put you to sleep. Can so, you share I like a little
1: bit about your family? Share a little bit about your family and your hobbies, just for the listeners to get to know you a little oh. bit. Um,
2: thanks for asking. I love to point out that my father was an immigrant to this country. He um, lost his father when he was 16, and um, he was self-made. He uh, was a combat wounded World War II veteran, and I learned a lot from him being a successful businessman. and and his determination. And one day he gave me a little booklet he carried in his pocket, which I never, just in my life, can't imagine him carrying one of these little booklets, but it was about gumption. And he said, you need to read this book, a little book about gumption. (laughs) I never forgot. But, but it was like, that's how he got to a successful career in the garment business. And he was really quite successful. And, and, having a, a lower extremity amputated because of his war injury. Oh. Um, um, he, he had some things that I, I, I always remember him telling me that when he got out of the VA hospital, he went up to the Catskill mountains and someone taught him how to ice skate. He said it was a guy who won one of these barrel jumping contests and, and he learned, you know, it and, and prostheses are not what they are today. They were really quite <laughs> rudimentary and, He learned to ice skate. And when he turned 50, um, he decided he was going to learn to play golf. He taught me all the wrong things to do, but he loved going out and playing golf. And it was a big part of his life. Uh, um, And it just stood for so much for me um, that he did that. And and my mom was a great woman who was great. um, Raised the family and cooked for us and, and gave us lots of incentive and, did something unusual, but she took me off to college in in 1973 when I don't think many parents did or may have been the one of two times she ever visited me in college, but um, they were a really great support system. And um, in terms of my life now, uh, I retired from my practice a couple of years ago and I'm full-time trying to spread the word about my books. and, And even that Power of Five book, I converted to an online course so that People can see my face even in this shirt um, um, with a <laughs> five hour talking about the power of vibe and giving some of the information that I, I share with you today. Um, I've um, had lots of other projects that I've done in my retirement. And um, I get up and I exercise five to seven days a week. We eat right. Um, and I've really done something, you know, I, I want to admit that I practice what I preach I've interacted with men I didn't know very well. I'd seen them in the community, and I'd say, "Yeah, why don't we get coffee?" So I have three or four guys that that I've met and I've coffee with, and 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 I have a, um, a group. Uh, one of my friends calls uh, 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 retired old Man eating lunch, eating eating lunch out, uh, Romeo's. <laughs> <laughs> I convinced them to to bring lunch and have it at the park, which is about a quarter of a mile from my house. So I'll pack up a lunch and and go to the park and we sit around and we talk about And you walk to the park,
0: right? You walk walk to the the park.
2: park It's less than 200 yards from my house. Excellent. But I can leave late and they have to go a little bit earlier. But um, it depends who, who attends because some of the guys are really interested in cars and a lot of us guys are interested in sports i'm a little less but but they'll talk about some of the nuances of what's going on in sports but it's a group that that gets together and and every now and again someone will share something a little bit more intimate about a challenge or problem they're having either with their physician or their health or or we're a group of people that can share things and and it is um an evolutionary process because it doesn't just start with a snap where people trust one another with mm-hmm. those kind of things. And, and I'll go back to the fact that I compliment women that they can do it so much better. Um, I have a wonderful wife and, and I hear her on the phones with her friends and, and all the details that she shares and knowing the names, not only of, uh, of her friends, kids, but the grandkids and know that they're in third grade or what book they, they may want to read. And, you know, it's like, that's a little much for me, but
1: uh, <laughs> very moving. That's,
0: that's very wonderful, movie. David. Yeah, David, I, I, is there a? You have grace, and you have the five S's. There is so much for our audience to think about today. Is there anything else you'd like to tell them?
2: Um, I would encourage people to take a look in the mirror and evaluate these things. Uh, my website is um, Power of. The number five life.com and my wife has published some really great recipes on our website and she'll be publishing a book in February during national heart Heart health month and uh, my course is available for purchase do something do it with intention don't try and jump in and do all five things at once but pick one and then add another one and, and and try to with intention do that and and hold out as long as possible for some of these discoveries that will be made because i think it'll be really important and i probably haven't said very much about the importance of laughter and having a sense of humor ah. and i know as as we've been talking today i see lots of smiles and little giggles and laughs about some of the things we talked about but you know laughter makes the world go round love makes the world go round and and those are things that are that are really important and 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 I think the other thing that maybe I didn't mention too much is do something different. You know, for me becoming a writer 10 years before I retired was new brain cells, new discoveries, new techniques. And, and, and the publishing industry changed dramatically uh, from the time I was a kid, but in the time I went to a writing course in like uh, 2005. And and when I published my first book, it's like, Everybody had a publisher, and now it's like you can self-publish stuff, and you can do really well, and there are people who can help you, and but, but then you need to learn about marketing and so forth. And and, uh, and I'm sure between Kathy and Mary that you've had to learn about podcasting. And it's all these different things. <laughs> we and, we and, continuously you
0: know, uh, do. <laughs> and, and new and more. platforms. And
2: new yeah, platforms. <laughs> And their editors and, and people new people that
0: we meet all the time on these podcasts. It's wonderful and new adventures. David, all of the all that you've said is such wonderful advice, and we all have to start following that and to wait until science brings in these new discoveries so we all can live to a hundred. Thank you so much, our guest today. You're our guest today on Late Boomers has been David Bernstein, MD. You can find him on davidbernsteinmd.com and on his website. David, what is that again? Would you tell our listeners and our audience what that is again?
2: Well they can get me on the first one, but also power of the five life.com.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Either
2: way anyway, it'll take them, it'll take them to my spot. And I have some really good things, and I'm so proud. This week, um, my blog was about, it was a little controversial because usually it's about choosing a nursing home or eating right food or exercise. This one was about what happened to that football player who from the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. and how science and medical technology saved his life and the importance of respecting science and not cherry picking because science has some of the answers that we all seek. And so that's what that was about. And I mentioned it because I've gotten a lot of comments about it. Favorable yeah. comments, by the way.
1: Thank so you. So we want to remind, our, thank you, David. And we want to remind our listeners to please subscribe to our new YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast. And do not be fooled by our competitors, the Late Bloomers. We are booming. Mary likes to say boom, boom, boom. boom, 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 <laughs> also, boom, 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 also, please subscribe to our Late Boomers podcast on any platform that you listen to. And we welcome feedback on our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z. We always try to bring you food for thought and hope that you find some joy. Thanks again, David.
2: Been my pleasure.
0: We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.